church, and praise God. I'm so glad that you're worshiping with us today. I want to say a special shout out to any of our kids and students that are with us. We are glad you're here. Uh, families, you need to know that all of our services, our online services and our in-person services, we're designing to be as uh, kid-friendly as they can be so that we want students to be there, middle schoolers and high schoolers, and we want our elementary school students to be there too. So I hope when you're worshiping in your living room or you're coming to church, you know, bring your kids, bring your preschoolers. Nobody's going to mind if they're squirreling around a little bit. We'll have activity packs for them at home. Just toss them on the couch. We want everyone to be worshiping together, and I hope your experience, and even today, you'll see I'm working hard to make this a message that everyone can learn from, but also that everyone can understand. We are in crazy uncertain times right now. It's, it's a tough time, right? In some of our nation's cities, protests have turned into riots. COVID rates are going up in lots of different places. Battle lines are being drawn over the election and masks and schools and so much more. And as I talk to people, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I just noticed a weariness in people who kind of want COVID to be over and want the angriness to be over and just want stuff to be done, and, but it's not done. Well, in the midst of this chaos, I want to give you two pieces of pastoral advice before we kind of jump into the message. The first is remember that God is in control. Last week, I was kind of just really experiencing some discouragement, and so I actually went back and watched some of the sermons from our Fear Less series earlier in the fall. And even though some of the messages, I'm the one who preached them, it actually really encouraged me uh, to remember that we can fear less because God is in control. And so if you need that encouragement, maybe you want to go back and watch one of those messages. The other thing I would just challenge you with pastorally in this chaotic time is to clarify your commitments. Uh, the chaos of this moment has kind of broken down most of my habits, my normal exercise routine, my normal worship routine, my normal study and prayer routine have all kind of been disrupted. And when your habits are disrupted, your commitments matter more than ever. And that's especially true right now. And so I would just challenge you, if you want to stay connected to God in this season, make a commitment to weekly worship, whether that's online or in person or at a watch party. Make a commitment to being connected with your community, whether you're meeting a few friends for prayer in somebody's backyard, socially distant, or you're in a Zoom Bible study. But you've got to have to commit. Your habits won't help you right now because all of our habits have been messed up. Make a commitment to generosity to keep the church moving and make a commitment to mission, uh, to you know, loving your neighbors and telling the gospel. Uh, one way you can do that, last thing, is to register for Love JC. This is an event on August 22nd where churches come together just to bless our city. We need like hundreds of us to register for Love JC. You can get more information about that on the church's website. Another way you could do this, and I would just really ask you to do this, would you pray for your staff right now? Uh, as, as our church staff, like everybody else, we're facing these unprecedented challenges and uncertainty uh, for how to lead the church. And I'm so impressed with the creativity of our staff. 
but I do want you to pray for us. We got some cool creative programs coming up. You know, high schoolers, make sure you're checking out CIY Move. It starts this week, this next week, and it's going to be super cool. It's going to be socially distant and outdoors and crazy safe, but also crazy fun. So make sure you're checking on that. It starts Monday, so jump on that if you want to go to that. VBS just wrapped up. Again, it was super creative and super awesome. We got more creativity coming, um, but be praying for us uh, because it is, it's a lot of pressure to figure out how to lead right now, so be praying for your staff. Uh, but when the one thing you know, of course, is that together we will move forward as a church whatever happens. And that's the theme of our series right now, Whatever Happens. In week one, we looked at Philippians chapter one, where Paul, in a difficult season, when he's in prison and the Philippians are being persecuted, writes to them and challenges them. He says, whatever happens, I want you to stick together and advance the gospel. He says, these are my priorities. When things are bad and there's suffering and persecution and chaos, my priorities are the unity of God's people and the advancement of the gospel. Last week, Janet looked at Philippians chapter 2, and what we discovered there is that the first skill we need to keep that whatever happens mentality is to stay humble. If you missed her message last week, go back and listen to it. It was just, it's exactly what the world needs right now. To put others' needs first, to think of others before we think of ourselves, to humble ourselves just like Jesus did. And this week, we make it to chapter 3 of the book of Philippians. And in chapter 3, we discover why these are Paul's whatever happens priorities. Why Paul is bold to say whatever happens, stick together and advance the gospel. Because it is striking, could those really be the top essential priorities? I think to most of our world, those feel like secondary goals. Like most of us would say, whatever happens, protect your income. Or whatever happens, get out alive. Or whatever happens, keep your head down and look out for yourself and your family. Whatever happens, find a good job, keep your mask on, stay out of trouble, and don't get COVID. And then if there's leftover money, and leftover time, and leftover energy, and leftover focus, and leftover attention, well then we would try to stick together as a church and advance the good news of Jesus. But that isn't what Paul says. Paul says those two things come first, the unity of the church and the advancement of the gospel. And in chapter 3, he tells us very simply why. He says this, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage so that I could gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own accomplishments that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. He says, I want to know Christ. 
Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained all this or already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Very simply, what Paul says in this chapter is that whatever I have accomplished in this life, does not compare to what I have been given from Jesus. It's just that simple. But since I have trouble explaining things as simply as Paul does, I think I'm going to need a prop. And here it is. What you're looking at here, kids, is a scale. Scale is a pretty simple tool that just measures which of two things is heavier. So if I put one box over here, well, that end goes down. And then if I put two boxes over here, that end goes down, and so on. Uh, the scale is balanced, and so it tells me which is heavier than what. And in the ancient world, scales were very important because this was how they measured their money. They weighed out precious metals, and whichever was heavier, that's how they knew how much money they had. It was an important way to measure something's worth. And we're going to use our scale today in a similar way. Let's go back and look at what Paul says he has accomplished in his life. He says, if you have confidence in the flesh, in the things from this world, I've got more. He says, number one, I was circumcised on the eighth day. That means he's saying he has the right religion. Uh, number two, I'm of the people of Israel. That's a claim that he's from the right nation. He says, I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. That means he's from the right family. He says, I'm a Hebrew of a Hebrews. There he's talking about his politics. He says, I've got the right politics. As to the law, I'm a Pharisee. The Pharisees were famous for keeping all the rules. He says, I've got the right morality. He says, as to the zeal, I was persecuting Christians. That means he says, I've got the right passion. He says, you think you've accomplished stuff in this world, I've accomplished more. And it really is a pretty impressive list. The right religion, the right nation, the right family, the right morality, the right passion, and the right politics. But then he says that all of that, even all of that put together, doesn't add up to what he's been given in Jesus. All that he has accomplished in this world doesn't measure up to what he's been given to Jesus. And this is true for us, too. All that we can accomplish in this world, in our flesh, all of our pride of nation and family and accomplishments. Maybe you've even got a box you would add. You would like, you don't know about my job or you don't know about my hobbies or my talents or my skills or my grades or that last book report I turned in was amazing. But Paul says nothing we can accomplish in this life measures up to what Jesus has accomplished for us. 
Paul says that even when following Jesus, he goes on, even when following Jesus involves suffering and persecution and even death, it's still worth more than all of his accomplishments in the flesh. And this is why whatever happens, we focus on sticking together and advancing the gospel. Because the message of the gospel of Jesus and the community of God's people is more important than all the rest of this stuff put together. And especially in difficult times, we can be tempted to put our focus on the things of the world. But if we do that, we will be divided and the world will lose out. I worry when religious people on the right and the left make their politics more important than their king. And it's easy to have happen. But I would just challenge you, if you can't find unity with a Christian who disagrees with you on politics, then your politics are more important than Jesus. On the flip side, though, I love watching people who have said, this over here I'm going to make less important than my commitment to Jesus. People who have said, I'm going to go out and serve, even though maybe it puts me at risk of getting COVID. I'm going to do that because Jesus commands me to serve others. You see, Paul's reasoning for his whatever happens mandate, whatever happens, stick together and advance the gospel, is because whatever happens... Under every circumstance, what we are given by Jesus outweighs what we can accomplish on our own. That is Paul's simple message of Philippians chapter 3. It's why his whatever happens mandate is as clear as it is, because under every circumstance, what Jesus has accomplished for us is worth more than what we can accomplish on our own. Now, I need to read a few more verses because although Paul's main point is already that simple, he does end this chapter with a warning. And it's a warning you need to hear. It's a, it's a stark warning for our whole world and even for Christians, and it's a warning I need to hear so that my priorities stay straight too. Paul is going to tell us at the end of this chapter, he's going to tell us that if you let anything on this side become more important than the one thing on this side, then you have begun to live as an enemy of Christ. If your whatever happens strategy puts something here before the one thing that's here, Paul says you are in danger of destruction. Listen to Paul's words. Verse 17, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. Just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before, and I now tell you again with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. And here's the warning. Their destiny is destruction. And then he describes what happens to us when we become an enemy of Christ in this way. He says, firstly, their God is their stomach. And he doesn't mean just their literal stomach. He means that they have begun to worship, to prioritize their desires. 
If they're hungry, then food matters more to them than anything else. And this is exactly what our world teaches us, that our desires are meant to be followed and trusted no matter what. If it feels good, do it. If you want it, go for it. But God's word says that our desires are meant to be disciplined and held in submission to God's spirit. Even a good desire, and a lot of these things are good things, right? Even a good desire can become an idol if it becomes more important to us than Jesus. In fact, the the Christian author C.S. Lewis suggests that our good desires are actually more of a threat to us than our bad desires. Uh, Because it's our good desires that more easily could actually replace our first devotion to Jesus. Paul goes on. Number one, their God is their stomach. They worship what they desire. Number two, though, he says, their glory is in their shame. This means that they boast about, they brag about the very things they should regret. This is the the kid on the playground who trips somebody and then says, did you see that? I just tripped him. (laughs) He's bragging about the very thing he should be ashamed of. But I wish I could say that only kids do this. Adults do this too. We We brag about the ways we have rebelled against Jesus and the ways we have pursued our own agenda and our own path. Lastly, Paul says that their mind is set on earthly things. That just means they didn't learn the lesson of the scale. They were pretty sure that all the stuff that they could accomplish added up to something. And Paul says, no. Everything we can accomplish, even all added up, adds up to garbage compared to what Jesus has accomplished for us. But he goes on to describe the alternative path. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we look forward not to what we can accomplish, but we look forward to a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Paul says only Jesus can accomplish that. Only Jesus can come down from heaven and transform us so that we can live eternally. Your job, your hobby, your interest can't accomplish that. Your morality can't accomplish that. Your passion can't accomplish that. Your family can't give that to you. Your your politics won't accomplish that. Your religion won't do it. And neither will your nation. Paul says we wait on a single Savior, Jesus Christ. This is why, church... Whatever happens, you focus on Jesus. For what Jesus has accomplished outweighs everything any one of us will ever accomplish in this life. Even all stacked up together. Stick together, church, for we are the body of Christ. Advance the gospel, church, because the message of Jesus is only one that matters. Because we know sometimes whatever happens, happens. And when whatever happens, happens. What Jesus has accomplished outweighs everything else. So let that and that alone 
be our focus. Let's pray. Gracious God, I need this message today. We need this message today. Forgive us, God, when we start to think that what we can accomplish with our hands somehow outweighs what Jesus has accomplished for us. Remind us of the simple gospel. If this prop helps somebody remember, help them remember the prop. If not, make it fly from their mind. Just remind us of the simple good news that Jesus on our behalf has done more for us than we could ever do on our own. And he has done this for us. He has accomplished our salvation, whatever happens in this life. And so I just ask God that as a people and as a church, this would be our central and primary focus. And so now together, God, we give you praise and we worship you because you alone, Jesus Christ, are our one and only Savior. In whose name we pray, amen.